0: Sometimes, kids need to get outside themselves and be a little more other-centered. Here's Andrea Griffith.
1: I wanted to get my kids involved in the community, so I found a day that they didn't have school, and I called up a homeless shelter and I said, hey, could I bring my kids and could we serve lunch? And they said, yes. My kids didn't wanna go. They're complaining the whole way. They're fighting over who gets the front seat, what music they're gonna listen to, all this stuff, and we finally get there and I'm like, "What, what was I thinking? and we serve the lunch and then it's time to go and i watch zach like sprint toward the car and he opens the front car door and he's like brooke would you like to have the front seat what music would you like to listen to i'll do the ipod but you guys can pick the songs everything changed what happened they got their eyes off themselves they got their eyes off their little world and it gave them compassion and kindness to look out for other people
0: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. You know, the Bible compares children to arrows in the hand of a warrior. That means they're meant to be used as the right kind of weapons in the battle. That also means that moms and dads are warriors in the fight for everything that is good, right, and just. That's why Pastor Trent calls this series Shooting Straight About Parenting. He's covered important topics like how to lovingly provide discipline in your child's life and what that should look like. If you want to review past episodes of Resonate, you can look it up anytime on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen to Resonate at mygospelcity.org slash resonate. For the final message in this series, Pastor Trent's wife, Andrea, joined him on the platform they're talking about ways that parents can send out their children. Here's Trent and Andrea Griffith.
2: We want to get super practical about how we can actually send these arrows out. At whatever age of parenting you're at, there's going to come this point where we release them, we send them, and Andrew's going to help me make that really practical here. First of all, Philippians chapter 2, parents need to send them out with hope in the Lord. Do you see it there in verse 19? He says, "a hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy." Paul had a very vertical view of ministry. He put his confidence and his hope and his trust not in his ability, but in the Lord's ability for everything he could do. As a parent, we need to do the same. Our hope for our children is not in our ability to straighten them and sharpen them and send them. Our hope is in the Lord's ability. Unless the Lord builds the house, parents are powerless to do anything that God has given us as our responsibility. So our hope is in the Lord. Here's the second thing. Send them towards something greater than themselves. Look at verse 20. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You know, it's characteristic of children that they seek their own interest. How many of you have noticed this? They're a little selfish. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. So the job of parenting is to get their focus off of themselves and onto others, And to realize you are just a speck of dust on the canvas of God's creation. And you are valued and loved and have intrinsic worth as you are created in the image of God. But God has a purpose for you beyond consuming the creation on yourself. And if you find a child who has any concern for anyone but himself, you will find a parent that has loved him and disciplined him. To help him understand there's something greater than living for yourself. We aim them at others. We aim them at the needs of others in the world. One of the things that we've tried to train our children to do is how to walk in a room. Have you told your children how to walk in a room? You walk in a room, you survey the room, you look for the person in the room who doesn't have a friend, you look for the person in the room that looks like they're the most needy, and you move toward that person. That's how you walk in a room. That's how you live your life if you are on mission with God because that's what God does. He moves toward the ones who are needy and humble and broken. That's a gospel-centered life is to aim them at something greater than themselves. Here's the last thing. Send them to serve the purposes of the gospel. So in verse 22, we read, but you know, Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. Now, what would you expect him to write after that? He's just bragged on how useful Timothy is to him how he has served him, how he's brought great comfort, how he's made him more effective because of Timothy's service to him in the gospel. You would expect him to write, so don't you even think about taking him away from me. That's not what he writes. He said, you know how he's proven himself to be so faithful as a son with a father has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him. Because Paul understood there was an opportunity, there was a group that Timothy could go serve and it would have a broader impact on the gospel. I wanna invite Andrea to come up here. We wanna make this really super practical as best we can here. And so I'm just gonna start with, I'm gonna ask the question, let Andrea answer it here. Um, How can we as parents prepare for that awful moment when we actually let them fly, how do we turn loose of these so, children we love so much?
1: I think that um, one of the ways that it helps us to prepare the whole way through to release them is to have the end goal in mind the end goal is to send them out from the very first moment you get that little baby in your arms I know you remember that as a mom or as a dad even getting that child in your arms they're just treasures and you have no idea the talents they have or the abilities or what God has created them to do but He knows, and so from that very moment, you're like, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for giving me this. Thank you for entrusting me for just these few short years. Help me every day, daily, to be putting a biblical mindset into them, a heart for others, so when I do release them, they're ready to go. So it's, it's an everyday thing, thinking of the end goal. And I think God's very gracious to us, He lets us release them gradually, like even when we take them to the nursery for the first time. You hand them off, knowing it's just a short time, and then you get to take them back. And then they go off to school and they're gone longer periods of time. And God's very gracious to help both us and our children, because it's not really fair to our children either if we so smother them and we so keep them, and then they're 18 and we're like, see ya. It's a gradual process, really, for both of us.
2: Yeah, you loosen your grip every day from day one to day 1,000, day 2,000. It's a little more. You have to release your grip. Some of us are not great at releasing the grip, and the reason is because we are finding our identity in our control over our kids. If I didn't have this kid to throw my life into, I wouldn't have anything else to live for. That's a problem. And so God gives us these children as a temporary gift, and one day we're gonna release them back to him. But if you can't release them occasionally, temporarily, that means you're not putting your trust and your confidence, your hope in the Lord, that while you're away from them, the Lord can take care of them. And so we need to learn to gradually release them. That's right.
1: Um, Also, I think just... um, what, what prevents us from letting go of our children? So let's say it's time, they're 18, they're 20, what, what prevents us from doing that? I think, first of all, just not having a biblical mindset, not leaning into what the Word of God says. So both in um, Genesis chapter 2 and also in Ephesians 5, we find this verse. It says, and a man shall leave his father and mother. So God's saying it to us, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's telling us something about the way we need to live our lives. That means financially, emotionally, in priorities. We've got to let go of the family and cling to the next season, the husband, the wife, the next stage that God's bringing you in. I remember we were doing some um, marriage counseling with a couple, they'd been married for 40 years. And during that time, the woman looked over at her husband and just with the most icy tone you can imagine, she said, in 40 years, you have never once considered me above considering your parents first. And the man couldn't deny it. Think of the damage over 40 years that had happened in that marriage. So we have to leave in every way. And then also, um, I think just being so child centered in our lives, when we become so child centered that there's not room for anything else, we cannot let them go at the end. And this is subtle, it happens so subtly. Um, even yesterday, I was trying to get somewhere. And finally, I just thought, I can't do it. I cannot do it. It's just too hard. I can't get this child in the right place. I can't get the dog taken care of. I'm going to have to say no to my husband and the goal that I'm reaching for.
2: Because of the dog? Yes. I, mean, I could understand the kid thing, but it, the, the dog was the problem. The
1: dog is more needy than the children, yes. many days. Yes. And so. Um, and I caught myself. I was like, wait a minute. What is the bigger goal? Like I'm getting caught up on these little things. What's the bigger goal? The bigger goal is here. This is the one flesh relationship. The bigger goal is God's kingdom purposes. Now that doesn't mean we neglect our children in any way, but if we're so entangled with our children that we can't serve God or we can't reach out to others because we're so focused on our kids, that's a problem. And then it's time for the children to leave, but we've let this marriage relationship erode so much that there's nothing there. And so we can't let our kids go.
2: Yeah, if you've thrown your life so much into your kids and then the kids finally do go, and then you look at what you come home to as a stranger, because for 20 years you've neglected this relationship, then you've placed the parent-child relationship is a higher priority than the husband-wife relationship. Do you get it? Husband-wife relationship is a permanent relationship. I know this is a new concept, but permanent, permanent relationship, husband-wife, parent-child relationship, temporary relationship. And so you should never allow the parent-child relationship to take priority over the husband-wife relationship. And the truth is your children want you to prioritize the husband-wife relationship. They find security when mom and dad are on the same page.
1: But they don't act like it.
2: They don't, but and they, they will thank you for it between. when they're 27. Yes, yes. <laughs> so here's another question. Here's another question. How can the church and the family partner together in preparing these arrows to be sent toward the purposes of God? Now. Some of you, your relationship with this church is a consumer relationship. You view this church the same way that you view the grocery store. Once a week, you load up the car, you get some spiritual groceries, and then the rest of the week, you, you consume what you got here. Now, if you are a new believer, welcome to the church. We're so glad you're here. You can suck the life out of us for a little while. And yet, there is a moment when you become not just a consumer, but a contributor to what God is doing in his body. If you just kind of come and consume, do you know what you're communicating to your children? You're communicating to them that God and his community is really not all that important. And if you are just a consumer, when your children do finally leave They will neither be a consumer or a contributor, but if you will make this a place where you actually partner together for the gospel purposes in community and make sure your children are a part of that, then your children will continue to be contributors to the church long after they leave. Every statistic proves that. We hear statistics all the time, 85% of church kids quit going to church after they leave church. Well. Yeah, but what kind of church did they grow up in and how much involvement. Just because you drag your kids here during the week doesn't mean that you are a contributor. So I want to encourage you to communicate to your children, this is not just a place where we come to consume. This is a place where we come to contribute. I'm looking into the faces of so many families. When the tires of your car roll onto the parking lot and you open the door and the kids fall out on the parking lot and you send them in here, they scatter in this place to actually serve and to contribute. There are armies of people that make this thing happen. Happen on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, through the week, on mission trips. That's what we're trying to do in partnering together. Every family is going to have multiple communities that you're a part of. And in each of those communities, the children will either feel like they are a visitor or they actually belong. So I ask you the question Does your child feel like he belongs at school? or is a visitor at school? Does he feel like he belongs at the church, or he belongs at the school and he visits church? We want this place to be so vibrant and so full of the presence of God that this is the place we belong, and every other place is just a place where we visit whether it's band practice or robotics class or maybe it's extended families, you know, that don't have the same values that we have here. When you come here, we want to feel like the current, the stream, everybody's moving this way. We have the same value system that the kid just plops in. It's like, yeah, we're all going in the same direction. We don't want that kid to feel like these people are weird and I feel like I'm swimming upstream when 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 I'm here. No, we want the kid to feel like that when he's at school. It's like, yeah, I got to go jump in the river over here, but it's going to be swimming upstream there. And so every kid has these different communities, and we want to partner together. And if you will do that, then what you will find is the other families in this community are going to help create this current to get your kids in the right place. Andrea saw an Instagram picture a couple of weeks ago, and here here was the picture. And it's a picture of two-year-old Audrey on the floor with X number of years old, Matt. Matt is an elder in our church. He's a successful businessman in our community. He's already raised his two-year-old children, and some of them are flying away. And look, nobody's forcing him to do this, but he's on the floor engaging this two-year-old just as an investment. This is what we do as a family. I care about what's going on in your family. You're helping to raise my kids and I'm helping to raise your kids. And we all have this similar value system. We're all aligned going in the same place. Listen, you don't get that kind of alignment if you just show up here on Sunday and just get your groceries and go home. And so there's an opportunity to throw in, even as a family in so many different ways. Did you know that we have 300 volunteers that staff the Harvest Kids area while we're in here worshiping? And they rotate about once a month is kind of the normal schedule. Some serve multiple times or multiple services. But about 300 volunteers, how many of you are part of that team? How many are part of that army? Yeah, look at this army of people here. And Michelle was telling me this week, we're staffed at about 90%. In other words, we need another 30 people to join that army, especially with the little ones. You don't even have to have an education to do this. You just have to be able to hold a baby. And we've got training. That's why you need to be here for E3 and a couple of Saturdays and the training that's going on there. And so throw in. You say, you're trying to staff the church. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you raise your kids because your kids need to see the family serving in what matters most. And so take advantage of those times, all these different ways that we can serve together as a family.
1: And while we want to have our kids feel at home here, they feel at home with the family of God. You can do that through church. Um, One of the things I loved is we usually had a bigger community of Christians that we were able to expose our kids to, so they got to see we're not alone. We're not doing this alone. We're not we're not the only ones trying to follow Christ. And that looks like just going to Christian camps and letting your kids get a bigger worldview. That looks like even serving in small groups one of my daughters has gone to the same house every Monday night for over two years and every time she comes back she's amazed she's like I love it that their family is trying to raise their kids just like you guys tried to raise us yes get your eyes up we're not in isolation here but not only that they feel at home among the people of God but also that we're looking out to how do we serve? How do we get out of our home and get into the community? And there's so many ways to do this with your kids. In the public schools, they have big brothers, big sisters. My kids loved doing that. they jump on a bus, go down to an inner city school and get to be with other kids. They're safe families that our families can actually bring a kid into our home, a foster kid or adoption, just so many different things. I remember one time, I wanted to get my kids involved in the community. So I found a day that they didn't have school and I called up a homeless shelter and I said, hey, could I bring my kids and could we serve lunch? And they said, yes, my kids didn't wanna go. They're complaining the whole way. They're fighting over who gets the front seat, what music they're gonna listen to, all this stuff. We finally get there and I'm like, what what was I thinking? And we serve the lunch and then it's time to go. And I watch Zach like sprint toward the car and he opens the front car door and he's like, Brooke, would you like to have the front seat? What music would you like to listen to? I'll do the iPod, but you guys can pick the songs. Everything changed. What happened? They got their eyes off themselves. They got their eyes off their little world and it gave them compassion and kindness to look out for other people.
2: One more question. Um, Do you see these parents out here? They're, they're, most of them are doing everything they can to apply this and they wanna do it right. And some of them have some knucklehead kids that aren't listening to them. What would you say to them?
1: Um, We've been there multiple times. Um, We might even be there right now. (laughs) And um, <laughs> um I <laughs> there are just times and seasons when there's nothing you can say really. They're not listening. We were in a season like this, and the Lord gave me Job thirty-six ten, and it says, He opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return from their iniquity. He opens their ears. And I just felt like the Lord said, Andrea, you have been talking and preparing and praying and trying to show them the right way all this time, all these years. We're talking teenagers. We're talking older kids. And I just felt like the Lord said, they may not be listening to you right now, but they can hear me. You've got them in youth group. They're having their quiet times. They're serving in different small groups. They're around wise people. If we walk with the wise, we will grow wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. They're in the right places. So I just need to be quiet. They know. I've told them. They've heard. I just need to be quiet and pray. Because maybe they're not going to hear me, but they're going to hear the Holy Spirit. God can speak. They can hear him when they can't hear me.
2: It doesn't mean you stop instructing, it doesn't mean you stop disciplining. You love them, you're, in, you're you're involved in their life, you're asking the questions, but you can't force somebody to listen. And what we've learned is none of our children really seemed to listen to us when they were teenagers, but they, they were listening, they heard it. And now as they've gotten older, they're like quoting stuff back to us about the stuff we said. I want to give you a couple of tools as we kind of wrap this up here, okay? Um, this is the final message in the parenting series. What are we going to do next week? We're gonna, we need parenting advice, right? Well, listen. Now it's the, the baton is to you. It's not the church's responsibility to make disciples of your children. That's your responsibility. And so, just a couple of things. I'll tell you what we're doing right now. We this is a book. It's called the New City Catechism. Uh, it's fifty-two catechisms in here. A catechism is just simply a question. The answer is provided. You read a scripture, and there's like a one-page devotional. And so, at dinner every night, I'm just opening this up and I'm reading that to our family. We take about 10 minutes to discuss what's there. We pray and we go on. And most of the time, nobody's listening, but I'm reading it anyway. And, and last night we went around the table. Um, Scott had one of his friends over. We just all shared our testimony because it was just kind of directly related to this. And so that kid got to hear share our testimony he got to hear the gospel and that just because he didn't know what he was going to get when he came up for dinner but that's what he got so that's what we do as a family and so I, this is in our resource center it's right out there i don't even know how this is probably 10 or 15 bucks i don't know there's an app every bit of the content in this book is on a free app called the new city catechism you just just put it on your phone it's just free and um, and then one more thing um You know, Andrea and I are part of this wonderful organization out of Little Rock, Arkansas called Family Life. And Family Life just has mountains of material that you can access for free online. And a brand new resource, Family Life has produced, is an eight-session series called The Art of Parenting. And I want to encourage some of you as groups, young couples that maybe have some kids, get together and do this as a group or as a couple. If you're in a small group, this could be your next curriculum. You can do this as a small group. But here's the great thing, you can do it online, just mom and dad sitting in front of a computer for about 30 minutes every night, interacting with the questions that are there, and it's absolutely free. Andrew and I are doing this right now. We're walking through those sessions because we got kids and they're not done. Father in heaven, oh, thank you that you are a good, good father that we can imitate. And I pray God that... Um, in the process of loving our kids and disciplining our kids, you would help us to get that right. Thank you for the humility of parents even here this morning that have come and said, uh, I need prayer, I need help. And I pray, God, that um, you would give courage and conviction, give humility and persistence, uh, give grace and energy and strength. And God, I pray that uh, as a result of uh, the investment of these parents, there would just be a host of, of pastors and church planters and missionaries and elders and godly businessmen that would love you in all that they do and live their life flying straight at your heart at the same time you would use them to be dangerous in this world for the gospel we pray in jesus name
1: lord i thank you that you are such a good father to us and that if we are your children we have everything we need for life and for godliness, and that includes parenting. God, we're never left alone on our own wisdom, our own resources, but we have your Holy Spirit living in us, indwelling us to give us wisdom and strength and courage and all that we need to do a good job with these little ones that you've entrusted to us. And so, Father, I thank you for these parents that are standing. I know they're probably exhausted. And they're pouring everything they have into these kids. And so, Lord, would you give them strength? Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them just a supernatural love for their children? And, God, would you do what we cannot do? God, we can't shape their hearts. We can't change their hearts. And so God, we ask that you would move in, that you would take out the heart of stone and that you would give our kids a heart of flesh, a heart that will love you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, do it in us first as parents. Help us be willing to lay down our lives to love you and to love our kids. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.
0: So parents, be encouraged. Yes, the job can be hard at times, but it's not impossible. Trent and Andrea Griffith have been praying for all of us as parents that we would raise our children with a mission in mind. And that's this, to reach out to others and not to live in a self-centered way. I mentioned this before, but if you'd like to listen again, you can do so on our website, mygospelcity.org resonate. MyGospelCity.org is also where you start if you want to visit Gospel City for a worship service. We have a campus in Granger and a brand new campus in the Elkhart area, so be sure to look us up. For more information about service times and locations, just go to MyGospelCity.org and click where you see I'm new here. Again, that's MyGospelCity.org. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would resonate in your heart and in your parenting this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City
1: Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.